0: bought me a gavel, and I have left it up here, and they said use it when people don't pay attention. And um, I almost had to use it this morning. I thought we have so many people visiting. I don't want that's the memory you have of the church is the pastor used a gavel. So that's that's just your warning if I ever have to use that in the future. Uh, Liz, are you in here? Is Liz still in here? Uh, Liz told me in between that we now have too many people signed up for bell ringers, so she's going to... She's going to cancel some of you off. So be prepared for a phone call this week from Liz because there's too many now. I give you a spot you. Well, you gave me a spot? Thank you. I was, I was dishonorably discharged from the Salvation Army. Um, Jim laughed, the only one that laughed. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, just a couple quick things. We're not going to do a lot here this morning. I just want to share something a little bit. Here's the very famous Christmas story from Luke 2. Pick it up here in verse 8. Now we're in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. That is the Christmas story there, the idea of the Savior born to us. Now, so often when it comes to Christmas, we have a tendency to focus on the materialism side of it. And that's just kind of what it is. We focus on those presents. We stress over what people ask for. We ask people for lists, they don't give us a list so we stress over what they didn't ask for and we make vague little frets like you're going to get socks and underwear for Christmas unless you give me a list. We wrap these presents beautifully and then they're destroyed in just seconds. Uh, we have reached a point with our boys at home, Dawn puts everything in a gift bag. She goes, "Why am I going to waste the time to wrap anything if you are just going to destroy it there in a second?" When it's all said and done, it only lasts a few minutes. Then there's maybe a bit of a feeling of a letdown, maybe a little bit of a depression. Why? Because it's been built up, built up for weeks. We start counting down weeks in advance. I, I love Christmas. I love the lights. I love the trees. I love everything about it. And, and Dawn does not get into it as much as I do. So to antagonize her, when I see it in the store, I take pictures and send it to her. And so I, my first picture was in September, September 28th, Walmart. Walmart had their Christmas trees up. It was on September 28th. And if you think that's early, I'm pretty sure, and I'm not making a joke on this, I'm pretty sure Hobby Lobby starts like in July. I think if you walk into Hobby Lobby right now, it's like St. Patrick's Day. I mean, that's just the way Hobby Lobby kind of works. We have a tendency to focus on what we get and, and I understand we do get something. And this is what Christmas is about. Once again, come back to Luke chapter 2. Look what will we get. Verse 10. Angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. That phrase, good tidings of great joy. That is where we get the word gospel from. So they get the gospel. So behold, I bring you the gospel. Gospel literally means good news. And what an amazing message that is. Jesus Christ died for our sins. That's the gospel. That is what we're here to celebrate. And when we fully grasp, when we fully get what that message means, that should change how we live. It should change how we act. Because it is the good news that I was going to go to hell, but now I've been saved through Jesus Christ. And now I have that good news. And I should want to go spread that good news it should impact me and it's for us it's personal take a look at verse 11 there is born to you this day in the city of david a savior who is christ lord born to you so that's what we like to focus on what do we get well we get the gospel the good news that is for us that's normally what we do i want to just change that up just a little bit here this morning instead of focusing on what we get let's talk about jesus for a second and not what did Jesus get, but what did Jesus give up. Can you put those verses up here real quick, Alan, for us? And as he's putting those verses up, can you go with me to Philippians chapter 2, please? Philippians chapter 2. Once again, so often in Christmas, we have a tendency to focus on what we get. We get the gospel. We get the good news. But I also want to focus on what Jesus gave up for us. Take a look here at Philippians chapter 2. Starting in verse 5. Real quick verse. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So let's have the same mindset as Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, do not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus was equal with God. Jesus is God. Made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. There's a little phrase in there. Made himself of no reputation. It's a fancy theological term. It's called the kenosis of Jesus. It means emptying. That when Jesus, who was God, came down here and was also a man, he emptied himself of certain things. And depending on your translation, it says that in different translations. My new King James says, made himself of no reputation. Some translations said, instead he gave up his divine privileges. One translation says, he made himself nothing. And one translation says, he emptied himself. See, we like to focus on what we get for Christmas. We get the gospel, amen. What did Jesus do? Jesus gave up things. He emptied himself of things. God, but yet man, what did he empty himself of? Let's just take a look at this real quick. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus Christ left the riches of heaven for the poverty of earth. Now, before you start thinking this is something about money, no, 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 we're talking about the riches, the glory of heaven. Jesus left that riches and glory of heaven to come down To live on earth with us. Not just live on earth. You've read the Christmas story. You know it. No room in the end. Born in a manger. A stable. Maybe even some type of a cave. Born in in a feeding trough. This is his grand entrance into the world. No, he left the riches and glory of heaven to come down and become poor like us. So that way we become rich in the heavenly realm. What did Jesus give up? He gave up the riches and glory of heaven. What about the next one? 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What did Jesus give up? Well, he took our sin on him. Now, we're used to sin. That's not a big deal for us. But we're used to this. We're used to this idea of, I just hope I go five minutes without messing up. We're used to that. I remember one time doing family counseling with a, with a couple, and, and, and it was just a mess. It was just an absolute mess. And trying to show them and tell them this is what a godly marriage can look like, this is what a godly family could look like, and, and just was not going anywhere in any way whatsoever. Didn't get it. And I remember going to Betsy afterwards, and I just said, Betsy, I need prayer. Uh, you know, I don't even know what to say here. And she, I remember her telling me, she goes, Jamie, you've got to remember, that's what they consider normal. Their normal is that. So when we try to bring in what a biblical idea of a family looks like and a marriage looks like, that makes no sense to them. We are so used to sin that it's just so common to us. Okay, I sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Okay, that was a big one. I'm sorry. Forgive me. The idea of Christ, who knew no sin, to come down and live in this, he came down to live in vomit, if you will, as the Bible talks about. That's amazing what he gave up. What else did he give up? Matthew 4, 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. He was hungry. He was hungry. The Bible says he also got tired. The Bible says he also got thirsty. He never experienced that before. There's not a refrigerator in heaven where Jesus said, you know what, something sounds good. I'm just going to go see what we have. He never experienced that. He came down and dealt with hunger. He dealt with needing to sleep. He dealt with needing to get a drink. Those are things that he dealt with. He never experienced that in any way before. Once again, we're used to that. We exaggerate it. Do your kids go around saying, I'm starving? If they say they're starving at my house, they have to wait another hour because you know what, you're not starving. Or if they go, look, we have nothing to eat. Yeah, we have something to eat, you just don't want to eat it. Jesus coming down and actually dealing with hunger, sleep, wanting to drink, those are things he never had to deal with before. Look at what he gave up. Now, we're used to that, but not him. And look at the last one here, Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. The cross, the pain of the cross, the separation between God the Father and him because of sin. He took all that upon him. What did he give up? He gave up a lot. He emptied himself of divine privileges to come down here, as the Bible says, to be a bondservant, the lowest of the low for us. He had to become like us so that way he could save us. And that's exactly what he was willing to do. So, two references and then we're done. Can you go with me to Matthew 27? And then we're going to go back to Luke 2 and finish this up. Matthew 27, then Luke 2. I think this passage in Matthew 27 sums up best. Just Jesus emptying himself. Giving up of himself. Instead of focusing on what we get, what did he give up? Take a look here in Matthew chapter 27. Start in verse 27, please. This is Jesus before he went to the cross. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed before the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him, took the reed, and struck him on the head. When they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. What did Jesus empty himself of? Isn't this the best example? Verse 28, here's your Savior, God, stripped and mockingly put on a scarlet robe, the color of royalty. Verse 29, twisted a crown of thorns on his head. That would be painful. Read in his right hand, mocking him. Here's your scepter, just a plant. Bowed the knee. Verse 30, spit on him, beat him, struck him, mocked him, and then led him away to be crucified. Jesus gave up his dignity at that moment. We try so hard in this society to make everybody like us. We always want to look good, sound good, come across good, present ourselves well, and we put so much time and energy into being man-pleasers. I hope people just like me. We have a conversation with somebody that we walk home and we analyze it. Oh, I can't believe I said that. Here's your Savior, who's God, that's come and been stripped, beaten, mocked, spit on, and hit. And he says, I'm doing this willfully. I'm emptying myself of this for everything because this is the only way they can be saved. I must become like them to save them. So let's finish this up. Can you go with me back to Luke 2? Let's finish our Christmas story here. The shepherds are presented the gospel, the good news. The shepherds Have this good tidings born to you, this Savior. So if we know this, if we believe this, if you are here this morning and you have understood the gospel, what Jesus did for you, what should we do with this information? Verse 15 of Luke 2. So it was when the angels had gone away from the men to heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. See, here's the deal. You're here this morning, and you have now been presented the gospel. God is real, God is true. There's no doubt about that. There is a heaven, there is a hell. I am not able to have access into heaven, I am a sinner. So therefore, the only way I can have access into heaven is something holy and pure must give me that access because heaven is holy and pure. Jesus is that. He came down, became part of man, so therefore he could die for man. He became like us to save us. I believe in that. I accept that. And his blood, his death, is the only money accepted into heaven at the gate to get in. And with that being made clear, that's the good news. I don't have to suffer. Not only for hell and all of eternity, I don't have to suffer on this earth. I have the joy and peace and love of the Lord and Savior, which gets me through all the trials and tribulations. So that's the good news of the gospel. Now, what are you going to do with that? The shepherds had to stop and seek. Did they just go back to watching the sheep and say, oh, that was fun? No, that was life-changing. Verse 15, when the angels left, verse 15, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They stopped and said, we need to do something with this information. Now, it's interesting, in a little bit, in the rest of the Christmas story, the wise men show up to Herod the king, and they tell Herod the king basically the same thing. The Messiah has been born. What did Herod the king do with that information? Nothing. He was jealous. He was bothered. He sent soldiers to go kill the babies. My point is this. You're going to be presented with the information. You're going to do one of two things. You're either going to ignore it like Herod, or you're going to respond to it like the shepherds. There is no middle ground. And so therefore the shepherds hear it, they respond, and they go. So the first thing you see the shepherds do is respond to what the Lord is doing. And as they respond to it, how do they do it? Verse 16, they came with haste. This is life changing. This is not drag your feet, I should probably read the Bible more. I should probably get into church more. I should probably do this more. This is life changing. I'm going to do it now because today is the day of salvation. And then what happens in verse 17, once they've seen him, they start telling everybody about it. See, when you have been touched by what Christ has done, you've got to tell everybody else about it too, because it's so absolutely life-changing. You realize the joy and peace that he's given you, and you realize you want other people to have that. And then what's the final result? Verse 18, everybody marvels, because it's that amazing. So what I want you to focus on here this Christmas is not so much what you get. Oh, don't forget you get salvation. Amen. Don't forget you get what Jesus came down to do for us. But please also remember what he gave up. The man that trade riches for the poor. God who came down became sin for us. God that came down and also said, I will hunger, I will thirst, I will sleep, I will become like them to save them. And ultimately, that he gave his life for us. And the beautiful thing about this is, in just a few short months, we get to have Resurrection Sunday where we get to tell you that the tomb is empty. But for right here, right now, look at Christmas as this. It's the first step in a 33-year-long process of death. Jesus came to die, and that's what we're here to celebrate. He is the Savior, and that's what gives us hope here today. Worship team, if you'd like to come forward here.